When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome along to Writer's Routine. This week, we're chatting to Chloe James. Her new book is Love in Lockdown. It's all about Jack and Sophia who fall in love from their balconies. Now, we talk about writing someone else's idea and how you figure that out and do what they want, but also own it and put your own stamp on it. Uh, Also, when you've got such a timely story to write, love in lockdown, um, how does the need to get it out quickly and to be the first, how does that affect the way that you work? Uh, And we chat about how this last year has helped her realise that her writing time is exactly that. It's her writing time. We all need to practice self-care and I hope that's something that's come out of 2020. We're all trying to work on mental health and it's not selfish to look after yourself. And actually as a mum or anybody in this this world, we need to look after ourselves. Um, But you can sometimes feel a bit selfish, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. But actually... I also read that if you want to be taken seriously as a writer, you have to take your writing seriously. And that's one of the best quotes I've heard because I suddenly thought, yeah, you know, everyone before thought, oh, you know, mum can come out because she's just writing. But then I began to make it a bit more serious. And I said, actually, no, this is my job now, everybody. (laughs) You know, if I'm writing, unless the house is on fire or something urgent, for that hour, I'm writing. There is more with Chloe James in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes. All right, then. How's it going? Welcome along. My name's Dan Simpson. This is Writer's Routine, where we have a look inside an author's working day to see how they plan it, to get the words down and to get it out there. Uh, It felt good to be back in a bookshop this week, didn't it? If you're in the UK, some of the uh, lockdown restrictions have lifted very timely for the book we're talking about uh, this this week. Uh, And while all the fuss on the telly has been about gyms and about pubs reopening, uh, bookshops were back as well. And I think I think we kind of took for granted just how personal the bookshop experience is. Felt good to be back, didn't it, if you managed it? Uh, this week on Writer's Routine, it's Chloe James, and, and it gets a little bit Inception-y. You see, it's her debut as Chloe, and it comes not long after her actual debut under her real name, which is Fiona Woodyfield, uh, which was the Jane Austen Dating Agency. 
We talk about how that happened, why the switch of names, and, and also why it's given her the bug for it, why she wants to switch more in the future for different genres. Uh, also, I can't imagine how hard this book must have been to write. You know, Love in Lockdown, the clues in the name. She was given the idea from a publisher who sought her out to write it. But, I mean, the pressure to get it done and to be the first to get this type of story out, it, it must have been huge. Uh, Chloe talks all about that. Uh, we also discuss how writing has helped her regain her identity because no writing day really is ever ideal with uh, with a busy family life going on. You can hear all about the music that she listens to when she writes. There are some very nice recommendations in there, uh, but also why sometimes silence is key. And we chat about the battle of writing an upbeat love story in a rather bleak lockdown. So it's a busy one. It's a good natter this week with Chloe James. And we start, as we always do, with what she sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. Oh, well, I'm not going to be too honest because it's a bit messy. But <laughs> um, I have a desk, which is not really a desk. Um, it's actually a dressing table. But I fell in love with it. It's a, I feel like you have to engage with your piece of furniture when you're writing. I know it sounds a bit strange, but I have to really love it. And it's an upcycled bit of dressing table. And um, I sit and uh, have it at the window and I look out onto my street, which doesn't sound that exciting, but I quite like it because um, I can stare dreamily out the window for inspiration. Um, and I can also see what's going on. I, I like to be up high when I'm writing. It sounds a bit strange, but I like to be able to see what's going on. Um, and also it's quite isolating when you're writing it, it can feel a bit isolating the life of a writer because you spend a lot of time don't you sort of with your characters and in your head and so to see the daily life that goes on you know you get people go past at the same sort of time and it's rather lovely actually because I've got a little family who live at the end of the road and I've seen the baby go past on the school run with a big brother and now she's just started going to school and it's just really quite sweet you you get this sort of sense of time passing sense of routine so yeah that's what I look out on there's a book in that somewhere isn't there I know I'm sure I'm gonna to have to get that somewhere they might come and in fact I'm not going to give any spoilers but there is one person that walks past who is in one of my books he sort of inspired me so I don't even know him but <laughs> <laughs> let me ask he just you gave me the idea <laughs> let me ask you about the desk before we move our eyes around the room um why do you love a desk so much what is it about it if, if... well it's it's probably a bit tatty I think my dad would be critical of it because you know he's probably you know he's into his carpentry and stuff and this is all you know the upcycled sort of thing it's got lovely pine top and then it's painted white and it's got these little jeweled um knobs on the drawers which I know is a very tiny detail but I like them um and then all around it I've got hung um bits and bobs from my kids which is um really cute you know when they make things things that some of them are years old it's probably a bit dusty actually I tried to clean it but um you know little tissue flowers that they made when they were little I've got a little bag actually that's made out of a sock one of them's kind of kind of arty um and then I've also got things like um I'm a big Jane Austen fan which you probably know from my first book um but I've got little quotes like I cannot speak well enough to be unintelligible that's from Northanger Abbey I love that quote and I've got a punch cartoon um with we like the plot miss austin but all this effing and blinding will have to go <laughs> with this guy sat at the desk and you know jane austen sat there i presume it's meant to be jane austen in a little regency outfit and obviously the plug publishers saying you know we like the plot but you're gonna have to mind your language which is a bit ironic <laughs> but <laughs> makes me smile anyway um 
If I were to walk into your writing room, would I have any clue as to the story that you're telling? I mean, uh, is there post-it notes places? Have you got little cue cards for inspiration? No, that that would be really (laughs) organised. I do have bits that you probably would get a clue because I have bits of handwritten uh, paper, um, which I do still like the connectivity of pen to paper. Um, I, I have trained myself to type straight into the computer. Otherwise, I would never get my books written in time. I think we've all had to go across to that. Um, but I do still like writing notes um, on, on bits of paper. So you would see around, and I do like my post-its. You, you know, when it comes to actually plotting a novel, I do. You, you'll see rolled up in the corner, I've got an old one for the, my first novel, The Jane Austen Dating Agency. And it's got, um, I actually ended up messing around with the chapters a bit. And I really love my post-its because they're really handy. You can, you know, move stuff around, move plot ideas, and um, it doesn't cause too much mess. And I use old bits of wallpaper, you know, that you can get like samples. <laughs> and um, it's quite handy. You can just stick and then you can play around with them because I'm quite a visual person. So it's quite useful. And also to check that the plot is balanced and, you know, because you can get really bogged down. I find that once I start writing, I can really, it just splurges out. But you need to then step back if you can and try and look and see that the character arts are working and, you know, everything like that. So I do like my bits of wallpaper, but it's not very tidy. Is there is there a logic or a method in how you're using the post-it notes and uh, the, the the notebook when you're scribbling to yourself? I mean, is it different colours for different plot points and characters are they no that would that would be really organized it depends I mean they have to be colours that I like I do have notebooks um which are colour coordinated and I have a really busy life to be honest I've got four daughters and I don't have a very organized time because it depends what what gets thrown at me what day um and I do find I carry around a notebook um I have one notebook for each novel um and it has to be the right colour I know that sounds a bit sad but it has to have the right theme on it. Like, for example, for the Jane Austen Dating Agency, it's sort of pale blue with pink flowers and pink birds. <laughs> it's all very pretty. Um, and it has to feel right. Um, and then I carry that everywhere in my bag. And then all those horrible trips you have to do as a parent where you have to hang around at dance schools or I guess if you've got boys, football pitches. <laughs> don't like the gender stereotyped here, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I take it with me. And then it means, because I often find I don't tend to sit at a desk to plot um I I I just don't ever end up doing that I tend to get my ideas elsewhere and so and and that can be quite inconvenient because it might be when you're driving or when you're I am concentrating on the road as well though I promise Um, or when you're sitting outside you know a classroom and I've got an eldest daughter who's um autistic and she was only diagnosed a couple of years ago um and that made she's 19 now and that made it very difficult to to really work or do anything because she had separation anxiety from me so I would have to go and sit the amount of schools I had to sit outside for hours uh because she couldn't cope if I went home she'd need to come out and see me at break and things so it I found that really constructive time to make notes in my book usually plot notes um ironically I tend to do my actual writing at the desk um at home my writing has to be in the house which is a bit weird um I don't know why that is but the actual serious business of writing the novel itself needs to be in the house I might write a paragraph if it's a one really good one that comes to me when I'm out but generally it's plotting so I might have and and it's not necessarily in order it'll be just when it comes to me and this notebook's like my bible (laughs) because it's got everything I've I've got them for my you know last couple of books and it's quite interesting to look through and see scattered bits (laughs) 
that I've written in in different places. Well, let, let me talk to me about the the what you are writing on on your desk. So if it's notepads and stuff, um, when you might be in the car, little jottings here and there. When you're getting down to the proper writing, is it is it a laptop? Are you working on Word? Yeah, or straight on... into laptop. Yeah, straight into laptop. And I do try to write in order and just get started. It's it's the real starting that's that's the big one. And I find writing, it's quite odd. Um, I don't know if you've ever done any running. Um, I'm not the most... I am a runner. Uh, I'm, I'm, oh, you are yeah, a runner. You're, you're, so you're talking you're, to yeah, a runner. You probably... Well, you know what you're doing with this. So you're going to laugh at me now. But when... <laughs> I like running. It's really good stress relief. But whenever I've started running, because I tend to have breaks where I don't, I then um, find that it takes me a good three weeks to be able to run around the block without having to stop because I'm sad. Um, but you get into that flow after those three weeks and you start being able to run a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. But if you have a break, you then have to start all over again. And I find writing, I feel writing's the same for me. Once you're writing every day, it's almost, I think it must be a muscle in your brain. It just like, I don't know actually if you've got muscles in your brain, that's a bit worrying. But anyway, you know what I mean, I'm not a scientist. Um, but I just feel you get into that flow and there's nothing better than that feeling. You probably find that as a runner where you can really run and, and it's effortless. And I find that happens with writing. The more you write, the more you can write. Certainly with Love in Lockdown, because literally I only had two and a half months to write it. Um, and I had no choice but to sit at my desk and write. And, and at times I did have to plot at my desk because I just didn't have the luxury of time, you know, to be anywhere else. I just had to say, and also it was lockdown, so I couldn't be dropping people places or, you know, we had to be in, didn't we? Um, but then ironically, it made me appreciate all those times, which I thought were wasted, where I had to wait for people outside classes. And I was frustrated I wasn't writing. But, you know, those times are really useful. Um, I hadn't realised that. I found it harder during lockdown because I... I hadn't got the luxury of that time out wafting about, you know, when I was walking the dog thinking, um, cause even walking the dog during lockdown, I had to be constantly thinking, we were all thinking, weren't we about social distancing. You couldn't really drift away into your book. You're sort of thinking, actually the person's coming around the corner, I might need to walk around them. Um, so I think it's really taught me something this year that, that, that's something I hope that other people might be inspired by that, that it's not wasted time when you're having to do other things that you can still use that. If you carry a notebook or some way of, or maybe you've got better memory than me, you can just keep those things in your head. Um, and I think that that's something to take away for me this year, real positive, that, that those are not wasted times. I've always enjoyed reading. And I've been on a few courses where people have said, how much do you all read? And, and I remember I felt rather guilty at the time when I first started a couple of years ago. And I thought, I'm not reading as much as I should because I haven't got time. I've got books to write. But actually, um, the lecturer who was talking said, you need to read to be able to write well all genres, all different types. And she was so right. And and now I'm so glad to be able to put it in my planner that I have to read every day. <laughs> such a shame, um, such a hardship. But you, I do find reading gets you into the flow of writing, you know, conversely. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be the same genre. But also the other thing is I think be kind to yourself um, when you're writing for the first time, when you're starting, just, just play with it. Try to take that pressure off. I know it's hard when there's a time constraint. Like with Love and Lockdown, I really had to sort of hit the ground running. But generally with a book, I think it's about playing with those ideas. And I find for me personally, I don't know if everyone's like this, but in the mornings, the best time when I'm waking up, because you're almost sort of half asleep, especially at weekends when you don't have to get up and do school runs. But that's when a lot of my ideas come to me because, um, and, and I do, again, keep that notebook, keep on about these notebooks by my bed. And then I can hop up and go, ah, that was a really good idea. Um, and I think it takes the pressure off because I think sometimes, you know, that blank page can be a bit daunting can't it and thinking I've got to write 
How do you make it the blank page on the screen look a little nicer? Recently on the show, um, I have been awestruck by the amount of font opinions that authors have. And and writers do very very strange unique things with fonts yeah, just to oh keep. Gosh, I feel a bit boring. Well, now. I was speaking to someone the other day who edits in a different font just because then it oh. it might look a bit different to him or if that's very clever. Or actually. if um if they're kind of struggling midway through and and the words aren't coming, maybe they might mix up the font just to kind of keep things fresh. I take it by your surprise that you don't have any staunch font opinions. What do you write in? No, that's really, that's really sad. I don't, you know, I don't even know. I think it's Times New Roman that I write in because I think that's the one you're meant to send everything in, in aren't you? So I tend to be a bit sad. I'm like, oh, I'll just keep to that. But I know what you mean. Fonts, they do mean something because I was just trying, I'm trying to order myself a planner for next year and I thought I'm going to look at the font because it's got to be the right feeling. And it, it's the first time I actually thought about font and thought actually can the font change how you feel about something? But I must admit, I don't play with that on the screen. I'm I'm very businesslike. It's like that page. Once I, that is my work, I sit in my house on my desk, and that is I treat it very seriously. And I, it's a bit boring, really. But it's just I write. Um, but if I am having a block like that, I tend to go back to pen and paper. And it's funny. I don't know why, but maybe that's my way of moving that block rather than changing font. I might try the font thing though. And that does sound a good plan. Uh, the show is writer's routine, Chloe. So so talk us through yours. And it sounds like you have one of the busiest days ever. So it, yeah, I feel a bit bad about the routine thing. Because, well, you know, it's I, quite, it's, it's okay, because it's quite, you don't want to, you know, there's no point in you trying to talk us through an ideal day, because it never happens. So just, just try and run through an average day for you with everything else when you try and fit in uh, slots for you to write yeah so what I would do is I would get up and do my usual morning routine which is get the kids out the house and get them to school that's when then I can come back I can try and I do have to sit and go through my emails because it's procrastination probably but you never know there might be something really important and exciting that I have to reply to and then I do sit down for the nitty-gritty probably about half past nine by then for a couple of hours and really try and write um, and that's when computer's out. You know, I will have my notebook out if I need it, but I tend to rely more on just writing. And then obviously I'll take time for lunch and then I will try and do a good hour after lunch. Um, but the trouble is they kick the kids out of school so early. It's very annoying. <laughs> Three o'clock, it's like, uh. So then I find by that time I'm losing a good couple of hours because kids come in, you've got help with homework, I've got wandering GCSEs, uh, school um stuff needs sorting washing masks etc um and then dinner time food needs cooking so I do find then it's the evening by the time I might get another couple of hours in but I I do find that's you see it just depends if I'm having a really good run I might do a bit more than that each day but if I'm having a bad few days where I've got medical calls I've got to do one of my kids is sick then, I mean, that's the thing about writing. And I think that's the wonderful thing about it. It's such a portable thing. Like I say, you can take your book somewhere and you can write it, but you can also um, fit it in. I used to think that you couldn't, you know, um, I used to think, oh, I haven't got time before I started really taking writing seriously. But actually that five minutes you spend on Facebook, you not that everybody's on Facebook, or you know what I mean, or, or just checking your emails or whatever, you can actually get work done. And I, I find it's really cheered me up. You can... You can do it in spite of children. I'm not making it sound flippant because I know how hard it is, especially when, you know, as I say, I've got two children with major health conditions and it can be really tough to try and write. But the wonderful thing with writing is you can, you can try and fit it around. Like, for example, sometimes I'll have a bad week, but I'll end up spending a lot of the weekend writing. 
so, so do you sort of mean it might not be a routine, but I can fit it in? Yeah, it's 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 malleable, isn't it? It's very adaptive as a as work. Yeah, and and that's so empowering. It's so empowering because I I felt very down that I couldn't work properly because you know every time I tried to at one point. I was going back to work and I had to drop my job because both of my kids were ill at the same time. One of them actually developed epilepsy and I just felt so dispirited. And then I thought, no, this is the time for me. I always wanted to write. I'm going to take this seriously. I can take my books with me. You can even take them to hospital if necessary and sit outside that appointment. And it's so um, enabling to be able to do that. It's so empowering because I feel for me, my writing has become a way I've regained my identity. And I know that sounds a bit melodramatic, but I did feel as a carer, you can feel a little bit, especially as a mum, it's a wonderful thing. But you can give up yourself and your own personality in a way, trying to do what you need to do and try to be everything to everybody. And writing's enabled me to really try and claw that back, which um, is a wonderful thing. I'd imagine it's about control as well, isn't it? It's it's if if you've got two uh, daughters who are ill, one recently very surprised out of nowhere, uh, develops an illness and, and you're you know you're running all over the place and just just being able to sit there and think right this is my time I will do with it what I want I can control the characters on the page it is. and it's allowing yourself to be a little bit dare I say it selfish because it's not selfish you know we all need to practice self-care and I hope that's something that's come out of 2020 we're all trying to work aren't we, on mental health and it's not selfish to look after yourself and actually as a mum or anybody in this this world we need to look after ourselves um, but you can sometimes feel a bit selfish, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. But actually, I also read that if you want to be taken seriously as a writer, you have to take your writing seriously. And that's one of the best quotes I've heard, because I suddenly thought, yeah, you know, everyone before thought, oh, you know, mum can come out because she's just writing. But then I began to make it a bit more serious. And I said, actually, no, this is my job now, everybody. <laughs> you know, if I'm writing, unless there's a, the house is on fire or something urgent, for that hour I'm writing so please don't disturb me and they've got really good at actually accepting that and I've found that they have respected my writing since I've respected it if that makes sense it absolutely does if this time is quite precious and especially with with love and lockdown where, where you needed to get this done in a timely manner um those slots of writing that you have every day that the three hours or so uh how planned through is it how much do you know about what you want to get done in that time well, I do have a planner and I tried, but I try not to be too tight because I think that sets my, I feel like I'm setting myself up to fail. Does that make sense? And I'm very precious about that with the things that can suddenly throw up. I might find my eldest daughter, she's not now living with us, she's in assisted care, but you know, she might be having a mental health crisis she did a couple of weeks ago and I've got to rush off and deal with that. So I try not, I know a lot of writers do specific blocks, don't they, of, of word count, um, but that I feel would be setting myself up to fail. But I do give myself a much more fluid number so I might put for the week actually I need to get another I don't know 3,000 words done um, and that means if something goes wrong on one day I can try and catch up another do you see what I mean I try to give those um, sort of boundaries so that I stick to a plan I mean with love and lockdown it was absolutely I just had to write <laughs> it, was, it was an amazing thing it was a little bit daunting actually but I just had to write um, most of the day to get it done in two and a half months. I've never written a book so fast. And there's no question, you, if you're writing that quickly, you've, you've got to spend hours at the desk. And and my husband actually had to cook a couple of times, which was actually, <laughs> found out he can. The which miracle is, of 2020. Yeah, it's, it's a bit worrying actually, because now he's like, oh darn, I think, I think he's let, let it 
um, slip that he can actually cook and, and present it very nicely. And he can do a vegan dinner as well for my vegan daughter. So it's like he's got a job now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm curious about the, you know, cracking out a book in two and a half months. Thing. I think we'll come to that uh, in, in just a sec. Um, this time that you've got every day, if it is precise, especially when you're writing in two and a half months where you need to absolutely crack through the words, how precise are those words? How good are you at getting everything done almost in a neat package in the first draft? Or are you pretty happy to overwrite and you'll just curate later? I'm I'm a bit OCD. I will go over it and over it and over it. And I know some people say you shouldn't edit as you go along, but I am a bit of an editor as I go along. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that's how I get beyond that perfectionist attitude, you know, that you must get it. And I think that's why some people get blocked. I'm afraid I am able to just spill straight on the page. But what I do each time I go back, even if it's later that afternoon, certainly the next day, I will often read over the last bit that I've done. And I know some people say, oh, you shouldn't do that. But it seems to work for me, partly, if, if nothing else, just to get back into the flow of words and into that world. Because, you've, you know, you've been off, I don't know, dealing with phone calls, talking to hospitals, dealing with kids problems. Um, you need to get back in that world. So for me, it works very well to just read back over what what I've just written um I don't see it as a waste of time at all um I know some people think you should just write 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 and then just put the pen down or stop writing and then go back and carry on the next day but for me it works much better to go over it and I do a bit of light editing while I'm doing that um I just have to be careful I don't keep doing it because <laughs> you, you know you could get stuck on that last bit but I, I find that's not too much of a problem um and then I will go back at the end of the 31st draft and really edit it you know because the first draft is really the messy first draft even even with a quick book that I had to do you know it still had a lot missing how um if things aren't kind of going your way if the words aren't coming out that easily uh is there anything else that you you do that that really just helps you through the work every day like a coffee at a precise time a little bit of music here and there um I like my music bizarrely and I, I don't know <laughs> I suddenly had my Spotify playlist come through and I, I was thinking it would be Dua Lipa most of this year because I did I know somebody did comment I did mention Dua Lipa a couple of times in Love in Lockdown and I do really like, <laughs> do you really like she's, had a, she's had a lot of big big I tracks just, out this oh, year her, her track's been brilliant and it really helped actually listening to physical and um hallucinate and a couple of the others because they're for me they're real songs of this year so it helped me get into the mood of, of the love in the lockdown book um but yeah I, bizarrely i found i listen to a lot of christine and the queens and they sing in french so i don't really know <laughs> i don't really know what's going on there that wasn't so much for love in lockdown this year but for my first book jane austen dating agency i don't know why i listened to a lot of them and a lot of london grammar um, which is a bit strange. Don't ask me why, but maybe it just gets me in the mood because that's what I was listening to and it's quite mellow. Um, but sometimes if I'm having a bad day or things have been stressful, I have to have silence to write. It's also a book of its time, isn't it? It's, it's a book that is about being in lockdown this year. So it makes, yeah, it makes I sense felt that the music that. would yeah. cover that. Also, Blinding Lights, that's another brilliant one of this year. And it just really, and also I had to really work very hard with Love in Lockdown to try and keep it upbeat because it's, but but with a very delicate balance because it's hard with the pandemic as a background, isn't it? Because it's such a serious issue. But also, you know, the brief was to make it positive. Obviously, we don't want to depress everyone any more than they were already depressed this year. So um, listening to upbeat music sort of helped a bit, you know, in, in the more cheerful chapters. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We'll be back with more from Chloe James in just a sec. Uh, now we've got a brand new tier over on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash writers routine. So if you want to support the show and have a top author answer the questions that you want to ask them, uh, I can make that happen. Sign up to the Patreon. The idea is that every three months or so, I will do a a special bonus episode just for that tier, where you can send me the questions that I will ask the authors that I chat to, and that will be the only way that you can hear it. Uh, So that's what you need to do. Sign up to the new tier. You can also get merch that way through Patreon, and there is even a way for you to get your book to sponsor an episode of the show. Uh, I will give it a big plug. I will dedicate the whole episode to it. Uh, which maybe lockdown deprived you of of getting the word out there. I can help that happen. You just need to sign up to support the show with a little bit every month just to help us keep ticking over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back to it with uh, Chloe James then. Chloe James, also Fiona Woodyfield, talking about her new novel, Love in Lockdown. In this part, we chat about what she did when she was first asked about maybe taking on the project. Also, you can hear about the writing joy in a in a bleak time for everyone. And we pick things up talking about that pseudonym because this new one, Love in Lockdown, it's her debut as Chloe James, but it comes not long after her debut as Fiona Woodyfield, her actual name, when she brought out the, uh, the Jane Austen dating agency not so long ago. Yes, it was my debut, and I'm I've just this minute signed for the sequel, which is coming out next August, which nearly finished. So really exciting about that. I did have quite a few requests for another book, so I'm really thrilled. It's just so lovely as a writer to have people enjoy your work and say, "Oh, we can't wait to find out what happens to the characters." So um, I'm super excited about that. So that happens, and then a few months later, you release a, an, another debut under a different name. What's uh, that? That seems quite a short time to to 
go to a pseudonym. What was the thinking behind that? Well, it wasn't particularly my thinking. I have to say it was um, it's Avon who who contacted me about writing the book, actually. And it was their request to to use a pseudonym. And at first, I have to be honest, I was a little bit sort of unsure because I was like, well, I want, well, you know, I want this under my name. But then when I thought about it, actually, what they were doing makes sense because it's a different style and um it's a slightly more modern theme to the book and I like the name um they were happy for me to to not be um anonymous that's the word um because I did want to link my real name in um and actually I should I I hope that I might be able to continue writing under Chloe James um and just change change it up a bit so um it wasn't my request as I say but I always thought that I would like to probably write under different names, perhaps if I write different genres, because in the future I wouldn't mind writing, certainly for children, um, if I could, and potentially historical. And I understand from speaking to various writers that it often works better for the audience if you write under a different name, if it's a different genre of book. So this sounds like it, the, the, the story came about in a slightly more unusual way than many other authors who have an idea uh, pitch it and publish it was oh it was totally different yes because I actually got contacted by Avon because um, their team had the idea from the Greg James show you know where the couple isolated um, together they'd just met and it gave them the idea and they wanted a writer who was quite positive and upbeat to to take on the the story idea and so it was very much their their plan and their um, plot um, but I was really keen to give it my own stamp because it was very much an outline um, and I was really glad to have that freedom because I think as a writer, it would be very constraining to have to write someone else's story completely, if you see what I mean. Um, I have to be honest, I was a little bit worried at first because when I first looked at discussions online and things about whether you would write about lockdown, I felt I wouldn't actually. <laughs> I felt, you know, I, I, Jane Austen's dating agency is so different. It's so escapist. It's, you know, there's there's no, nothing worse happens in that, that you know, uh, she. Uh, upsets Darcy and you know it's, it's lovely escapism you know she might snap her shoe um actually it was real bliss coming back to writing the sequel after the lockdown it was nice to have some escapism but um I'm really glad I did it because I feel that people do need something that's relevant and current and still puts a bit of positivity into it because I feel like this is such an unprecedented thing that's happened this year and I think we've all struggled haven't we you know it, it's it's a real I still think it's a bit of a shocker you know if, if somebody had told us this time last year we'd all be in the middle of a pandemic this year I, I think we'd all sort of not laughed but would have scoffed wouldn't we probably what what were you presented with then you said you had an outline that you wanted to put your own stamp so what was what was a yeah I was given a full outline and then um so it was the outline that two people um you are given the names two people are you know, met, well, they don't meet, but they live one above the other. And it's the idea of them falling in love without meeting. Um, but I wasn't given um, the condition that Jack had. I had to give him some condition um, so that he had to be isolated because they came up with the idea that he should be isolated and because and, that makes it more interesting, doesn't it? Um, but I was allowed to give him choose what health condition he, I gave him. And I gave him kidney disease because my daughter has kidney disease. So it's best to write what you know, really. Um, and then it was my choice. To, Sophia needed to have something that she was trying to get over, a breakup. Um, but again, I was I was able to bring my own ideas to the to the party. And, and that's the joy of it, that I could take it on and make it my own. Um, and I gave Sophia epilepsy out of the blue because this is what happened to my daughter when she was 14. And I think it's really useful for people to see 
what it's like for someone to suddenly, you know, to go from having had a completely normal life to suddenly having a condition. So I really enjoyed being able to put my own stamp on it. And then I was given the idea that there would be other people in the flats, but I was allowed again to make their story my own. And um, one of the stories just completely just ran away with, with me, really. I don't know why. It just, you know, sometimes characters come along and you think as a writer that you've got control of the story, but sometimes you don't. And these people demand to be written in, which sounds a bit weird, but I, I guess other authors might find the same, that you don't plan it in the, pl- in the plot, but suddenly someone comes along and they insist on being heard and part of the story. Um, but it kind of works. So, so describe to me more about that then. At what moment when you're writing and do, do you start to notice that, hang about, this character might have a lot more to say than I had originally planned? Well, with me, I find it happens as I'm going along. Um, and it was literally halfway through the book. And it's this old guy, uh, Bertie, who's an old... And funnily enough, he was he was um, inspired by an old chap who walks down my road. And he always looks like he's got the cares of the world on his shoulders. You know what I mean? And I just started thinking about how lonely it was for people this year on their own, you know, um, in lockdown, able to go out for their short bit of exercise, but then back in the four walls. Um, and I wanted him to be on his own because he, I thought if he had lost his wife perhaps the year before, and I thought that would make it even, you know, there are people like that. And I thought that would make it even more difficult. But then suddenly he went from that to this whole subplot about which I won't spoil in case anybody hasn't read the book, but suddenly, yeah, it was about halfway through to three quarters way through the book. Suddenly this idea came to me and I thought I've got to put it in. Um, there's going to be a bit of a twist here. And, and funnily enough, um, my editor didn't know about it and I didn't I didn't run it past her I didn't really have the courage to and when I gave it in I just I literally my heart was in my mouth for about two weeks while she read it and then she came back and she said I loved that bit and I was like oh thank goodness because you sort of put it you know you do take a punt when you're writing it's it's such a leap of faith isn't it you know you write this book even when you're sort of guided with the characters like this it's still that kind of made it worse in a way for me because I thought they've obviously envisioned these this outline and these characters and what if what if my vision isn't like theirs? You know, what if they read it and they think, no, that wasn't how I imagined them. But thank goodness my editor said, no, that's he really brought them to life exactly how I wanted and I was so relieved. Um, but that is a pressure. I had to um, do a sample for them to see first. So I literally had about five days. So I just started writing. I just... Before I started writing, I, funny enough, I got big full scrap pieces of paper and I just started writing, you know, just the outline, uh, just names and and where they were. And I started thinking, where is this going to be? Is it, you know, they're in flats? Is it is it in a specific city? And I really struggled with that as well, because at first they suggested maybe Sheffield. And I thought, but I don't really know that much because I think you should write about where you know. Um, and then I thought I'd rather make this universal. We're going to make this a city. It could be a city anywhere because, you know, obviously it's um, sold throughout the world. So I wanted it, you know, to be universal in its appeal. But what I first of all did, and I don't know about other authors, but I just completely tried to get myself into the heads of the characters because I think especially Jack and Sophia. Um, and I had to write a prologue. So I just started writing it. But I just wanted to think about because they had to have a chance meeting. And I thought, hmm, where, where could this be? What could he be doing? Um, and that scene had to come in my head. And and to be honest, before I got that scene, I actually thought, can I write this book? You know, because you've really got to engage with the characters. I think you've got to, you've got to think about that emotional conflict. I went, I went on a course about emotional conflict and it, it by a brilliant lecturer. 
Um, and it's so true. You've got to care about the character. You've got to engage with them. Otherwise, I don't think you can write about their story, can you, really? Um, and otherwise, you're not going to have readers who care about what happens to them. So initially, it was just getting that down on paper, that first scene, even though it's a bit random, because I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest. It was just seeing if I could write this book. And once I'd engaged with them, I thought, yeah, I know these people. I can write this. And and it's, it's going to be okay. Now, now, the genre that you're writing in isn't one that needs to be full of uh, you know twists and turns and 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 different and th- it's not really no <laughs> although I like to add them <laughs> yeah yeah of, of course uh, now I would imagine I mean on the face of it writing a book called love in lockdown um with two people stuck in a flat who are unable to meet it seems quite limiting plot wise um how 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 do you go about making it a, a page turner within the genre I I think yeah I think that was difficult and that was a real challenge and I have had a couple of you know you you do I always read my critical reviews as well and one one person did put you know rather a lot of um you know telling rather than showing but it was really hard but within that I wanted to make it a little bit limited because I want especially in um there's a second chapter where you've got Jack on his own and he's literally down to his last piece of toast you know, and I don't know if you found that during lockdown, but initially we found we, you know, we did end up eating things that, you know, have been in our cupboard probably since 1923. Um, not quite that long, but you know what I mean? And I really wanted to make it feel a bit claustrophobic and a bit, you know, because he's shut in um, and it was limiting. And, and you know, that was some of the feedback from a couple of people. Yet other people said, you know, we, you know, that en- encapsulated perfectly how it was. Because I wanted, rather than make it a page turner initially, I wanted to engage people in the plight of this guy. You know, he's a young, fairly fit, he has been ill, active guy. He's a bartender, he goes out, he's got mates, he's got a great life, he's having a great time. And then suddenly he's in, on his own. And it's just, I wanted to make it a bit static. Do you see what I mean? Before then, I did, as you say, I did have to try and keep the plot going. But I made it a slow burn so that, you know, there wasn't much going on, but then he was looking forward to speaking to Sophia again. So that gave the reader that feeling that actually he's not got a lot going on, but oh, but he's going to speak to Sophia later. I wonder what she'll say. I wonder how this is going to develop. How can it develop? Because it's a bit limiting, isn't it? But then as it snowballed and they started talking about other things and they started involving the community, I used the community and the fact that Sophia was a key worker to have outside scenes. Otherwise it really would have been too static. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't really want to be within the four walls throughout the whole book. It would be pretty boring, a bit like lockdown. Um, but, um, and then that's where the other plots came. Um, and again, a lot of the, it did have to be dialogue. And that's where you've got a lot of telling not showing in the book, because by the very nature, people were having to communicate on the phone during lockdown. Because, because you haven't got that, you can't show that body language. So it was difficult to write from that point of view. And I, I think it did make it limiting. But I hope I've succeeded and that it's made people and I hope it will make people remember in years to come or or people learn about it who won't have been around now you know potentially it's a historical text in a way isn't it I hope um you know how how limiting it was and and because I think people will struggle looking back to think oh did people really stay in you know it's just quite a difficult thing to get your head around isn't it in this age. Yeah, if if you're writing uh, quite a claustrophobic and limiting atmosphere in, in some of these, because we are stuck indoors, um, how are you doing that with with tricks and with words on the page and and, and writing style? 
Well, I tried to keep the writing style a little bit light because that's the difficulty. That was the biggest difficulty in the whole book. And I am quite a positive person, but, you know, we've all been very upset by by what's happened this year. It's a very serious subject. Um, so it was difficult. But I found um, I tried to make the, start, the, the style of writing a little bit light. And I tried to pop in little bits of humour to try and lighten it. You know, for example... Um, with Jack you know he the fact that he managed to burn his last piece of toast because it's the sort of thing that happens isn't it um the fact that he he decides to watch on YouTube to try and cut his hair I mean I don't know about you but I actually did watch YouTube to see how to cut my hair and my children um and actually the dog the dog didn't survive unscathed the poor dog had the most embarrassing lockdown haircut I've ever seen um but it did bring a bit of humor to the book the scene where Jack cuts his hair and then his brother facetimes him and he's like my god what, because the razor actually runs out part way through um so it's about trying to make a bit of humor amongst the rest of it and and again you know make something out of the small things it's because I do think it's the small shiny things that matter in life and in writing and I think it's those universal moments within the writing you know those oh you want the reader to go oh yes I felt like that or that happened to me do you know what I mean um, and I felt it was important to keep those in, in the book, um, just to try and not just lighten it, but also sort of bring a universality of experience and try to make people feel less isolated by this year. Now, you said earlier on that the, the, you've never written a book so quickly. You've never had to get words down so so purposefully. Uh, how is that as a, as a writer to, to, to be bringing out a book that is so timely that you know you almost want to be the first one to do it because it's an idea that someone else might pick up and then do and you, you need to get in there first how is that when you're writing a story that has to by its nature feel quite forced at times to get the words down yeah it was pressured I think I kept um convincing myself that it was okay and I had plenty of time um but I did sit down at the beginning and unusually for me I really planned it methodically I looked at what parts of the book because I had the whole plot um outlined and I thought right I've got I want to write this in two months really so I've got this amount of weeks I've got eight weeks I'm going to get half done by after the first month to five weeks um I want the first half in and I actually asked my editor if I could send her the first half um, for her to just run an eye over because I thought it's a real you know I really couldn't pull it back if I sent her the whole thing and she hated it within the time limit so I thought let's and she was very happy to do that um, because I wanted to make sure I was on the right track and get any feedback but definitely I think if you've got to write that quickly you've got to plan um, and it just for your own um, sanity to feel that you're getting there you know I, I felt like by halfway through I thought I felt really buoyed by it actually I thought I can do this because until then you're not sure you can um, but but I was on target. I'd got the first half done. And it, it was just sitting down every day and writing words, um, which is not normally how I would write. But I you just got to if, you know, even if they're not good and you go back the next day and say, actually, they were awful. I'm going to, you know, delete. What I do is I keep another document. You know, I expect a lot of writers do this where I have another word document and it will, you know, just say bits from Love in Lockdown. And I've still got it where I just cut and paste, pop them on there, think maybe I'll use them again maybe they'll do for another bit of the book. Did you know, right, day one, this is what I need to do. This is how many words I need to get down. This is this is what part I'm going to do. How did that work? Well, I did know the entire plot and what was going to happen. So I knew that by halfway, certain things needed to have happened. Um, I did look at so many words. I mean, I wasn't actually really given a word count, but I normally guess we aim for about 80,000 words for a book of this genre. 
Um, I must admit, I'm terrible. I tend to write too many words. You'd never guess by how much I talk, but <laughs> I am a wordy person. Um, <laughs> um, and I mean, with Janusson Dating Agency, I'm not going to lie, when it went into submission to agents, it was 104,000 words, which is far too long. Um, and that was part of the process to have to cut it down. I've got a lot better. Um, Love in Do- Lockdown is actually the third book I've written. My second one I wrote last year is sort of on a back burner. I've put it to one side for a bit. Um, but I think you get better um, at being um, more able to use your words more carefully and to write to the word count. Um, but certainly it w- I did do a rough word count each week because I needed to get to about 40,000 words by at the end of the first month to five weeks. Um, and I was strict about it, not for each day. But I thought I, I had it vaguely in the back of my mind that I needed to write so many words each day, really, um, and, and shut myself in my room till I'd done it. Even if I went out for, you know, if I had a block or something, I tend to not sit at the desk if I feel like that. I will go and get the dog and go for a walk or I'll walk around the garden, um, go and eat a lot of chocolate or something. <laughs> um, I'm not a great believer in sitting at the desk with a blank page. Um, for me, that would be too pressured. Um, I like to go and distract myself for a bit and think about other things and um, then I find it tends to ease and I can come back and write again and that is it for this week's writer's routine thank you so much to Chloe and Fiona you can grab a copy of the book Love in Lockdown using the link in the episode notes and over at writersroutine.com next week we're chatting to Abigail Mann an author who was shortlisted for the Comedy Women in Print Prize she'll be on telling us about her new novel the sister surprise in the meantime give us a follow on twitter if you can at writers pod if you listen on apple podcasts uh, leave us a review make sure you are subscribed uh, and if you can spare anything a month just just to help this show to help us carry on bringing you chats with the biggest authors around patreon.com forward slash writers routine is where you need to go and i will see you next week with abigail mann on writers routine bye <laughs>